Are you a sneakerhead? A baller? Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready because we got all the details right here. It's Kicks and Bricks, where we got game on the streets and on the court. Here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What you think about Vegas PD raiding Keefe D home? And do you think he'll actually, you know, serve time for um, what he allegedly did? Uh, Vegas PD full of shit. Um, that was just all posturing. Um, I don't know the political ploy, but it was more posturing. And yeah. KVD not going to spend a day in jail. You know what I mean? Especially not 30 years later. They just... Exactly, man. There's no evidence. You know what I mean? It's like the people that would need to come forward ain't going to do it. And yeah. then you would still have to build a case around a bunch of uh, still hearsay to some degree. Exactly, man. Like, to me, I was thinking, like, after all this time, like, what, like, what do they think that they'll actually find? So. I saw like different stories cover where they were saying like um they were talking about it. They was like, yeah, well, you know, he had some bullets and the bullets might have been from I'm like, bro, cuz don't got no bullets that's 30 years old in his house. He didn't keep a box of bullets, like, yeah, these is the box of bullets that, that we killed Tupac with. Like that just ain't what you thinking about in that life. Um, but I, I got a bet with uh still with 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 Norman Steele from the Gangster Chronicles, my brother and shit. And, he was like, um, he just knew it. He was like, man, I'm telling you, he's going to get around like zero chance, bro. Zero chance. I don't know, man. Like, like 2023 has been such a weird year. Like, Yeah, low key. <laughs> My, <laughs> crazier things have happened. But I, I just, I can't see it, dog. I, I can't see it because um, you would need the people to go to court. You know what I mean? The people worried about their reputation. Not to mention, you wouldn't have any physical evidence. Have you ha like have you ever had any um, interactions with him? With Keith? Keith? Yeah. yeah, I had interactions with Keith when I was a kid, when I was younger. What was that like? Keith is a cool nigga, man. He was a rich nigga my whole life. You know what I mean? As far as like they neighborhood, the South in particular, the South Side was like a it was like a wealthy gang. You know what I'm saying? Like a Key Fink, it was it was some names that really were like big deals in Compton. Like I know it's a lot of rhetoric around his name amongst all of him and his peers and all of those guys, but like growing up under them dudes' legacy, Keith's name was like he was a rich nigga. You know what I mean? He was a well-respected rich nigga. You know what I mean? So um even Dre, you know what I mean? Even freaky Dre, Big Dre, like he they were all respected. They, them dudes were something, you know what I mean? And he always was a stand-up dude. Even even recently when I talked to him about the song, I asked him, like, hey, you know, are you okay with this? And he was like, yeah, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, shit. Well, Cracker's been doing it, so he he always been an um, all-right dude to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had, like, any interactions with Orlando? No, 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 never. Only Dre. Dre is... So Dre, who, you know, who they said allegedly was in the car, um... My third show ever, he booked me for my third show ever. Um, they do a thing called Lane Day in the South where they celebrate Baby Lane. They used to. And they do it in these mansions. Most people don't know that in Compton, behind Compton College, is some mansions. Like, I think they built those for the alumni of Compton College, or which was Compton College at the time. 
think it's like El Camino South or West or some shit now. Mm-hmm. But um, they built these mansions behind Compton College for the alumni of the college. And um, now I think regular people own the property. So they rent them out for, to people for events. So the South Side, you know, they've been such a get money gang for a long time. They've just been having a lot of money. They used to rent these places and have these like celebrations. And one of the things they would do was a thing called Lane Day. Where they would celebrate their homeboy and him being a rider. And Dre was throwing it this year. I think he threw a few of them. And at this time, White Lightning was like the biggest CD in Compton at the time. And he booked me, you know, gave me $4,000 to come perform, which is kind of partly how I got to the story of what happened. You know I mean, like we all heard what happened before, but mm-hmm. I had a different details because I, you know, I got the story from them and they people. Oh, so they basically told you like what happened? I always up. ask questions, man. Like I'm not going to be around nobody. Like when Jimmy Hensman was managing game, I asked what happened to Tupac and that's, you know, Jimmy Hensman, you hear that name. You know what I mean? You like, hold up, nigga. Like, Machiavelli is my favorite album. Like, what happened with this? And, you know, you always realize the story is two sides and it's a lot of nuanced points that ain't really addressed. So, what was that? I, I never, not, I never, I never didn't ask questions to somebody like, even Haitian Jack. Haitian Jack hooked me up with my Wyclef feature when I first got in the game in 2008, 7, 8. I asked him questions. They'll tell you, though. They'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Like, I always, I'm be like, hold up, nigga. What happened with y'all? Or what, what was this about? So what did Henchman and, um, and Jack tell you about um, Pop? It was just a really complicated situation. Um, it was something to do with money that nobody seems to ever bring up. And um, it just went bad, but it wasn't like about, I, I could tell you one thing, talking to them, they didn't want no harm to come to Tupac. For sure. And and even the way, you know, it's funny because it, Big Face was there. Our gang was there. When I asked Jimmy in front of them, they kind of kind of scoffed, like, why would you ask this nigga that? And I'm like, nigga, you, this is the only way I know who this nigga is. And it's like, if you're going to keep being in my face, and Jim and Jimmy Hensman is a cool dude. Like, you know, I know he locked up and shit, and I know they got all this crazy shit, but, like, he actually is a really cool dude. You know what I mean? To me, he was cool. So without being too much about, because it was a personal conversation that's not public, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, for sure, he didn't want harm to come to Tupac. And for sure, when I talked to Jack, they talked about him. They they revered him in a way I could tell they had genuine love for him. So I don't think it was ever like, it was never like, fuck that nigga. He was blah, blah, blah. Even, even in passing, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. So I think the story is a little nuanced. And I do think all the people around them and Pac and them know. And it's kind of crazy that nobody wants to tell the story of what really between about Tupac. Mm-hmm. Like him and 50, that's just serious. <laughs> but with Pac, it wasn't, even Jack, it was never like, man, fuck that nigga. It was never like that. It was like you could tell that I was that guy and some shit just happened between them. And 
they really still feel like, honestly, both of them feel like they were wronged in the situation. That was the different part. That's something I could say. Jack feels like for sure he was wronged. Like he didn't do nothing wrong to nobody. You know, it's been like three or four years since um, Tupac Must Die came out. Do people still talk shit about that? Um, Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every really? Day. It's people who think somebody hit me today was like, I'm, I'm surprised you're still out after what you did to Tupac. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like I get it was dope. Like, you know, at first I, that used to tickle me, right? Because I'd be like, damn, like this is so dope. People think I killed Tupac, right? And that's not dope to kill Tupac, obviously, right? But it was dope that your art was so detailed and so cleverly put together you know what i mean that people really like thought this was like some kind of admission of guilt and um like you know kids who was young was like oh that's fucked up and you know i had relatives ass family was like man uncle g killed tupac it was like what the fuck you mean and that was cool at first i thought that was a a, a great like reflection of me doing my job as a you know as a deliverer of culture but now it's fucking offensive. It's like, all right, it's been four, you know, it's been three years now, man. Why the fuck haven't you just did the extra homework and read and see like, okay, he's just telling the story from the person accused of killing Tupac. Right. And um, I mean, like, I'm not a fan of what happened to Tupac, but, you know, I kind of like the artistic direction that you took because, you know, all these stories like you never hear from like Baby Lane's um, point of view. Yeah. Um, this all came from like, I had this really dope sabbatical. I, I would say something like that, where I was just learning about hip hop and learning about my responsibility. And um, one thing I really understood from hanging out and being in the Bronx and traveling around the country is my job to be the voice of the streets, the voice of the voiceless. And when, when I was growing up, Tupac was the underdog. That was our guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But in 2023, man, he is everybody's. You know, it's white, it's white folks in my DM threatening me, talking about they want to bring harm to me because I explained this story. And it was like, white people like, I ought to kill you, bro. It's like, damn. I mean, and that's not, when Tupac was alive, he was just ours, you know, versus now he belonged to the world. So, I feel like that would be a story that I could explain something about gangbanging, you know, which end up being an expression of morality. I understood what my job was and I was able to go through with the assignment. It wasn't about the fucked up part is it wasn't about him dying. That's it was it. about the mentality that led up to the situation, you know, mm -hmm. pointing to point out, but people just ain't going to get it. So it's all good. You know, your new album, Cancel These Nuts, dropped the other day. Um, that title is crazy. <laughs> like, can you tell us a little bit about the new album? It's the first socially charged album in hip-hop. That's for sure. Like, I've heard politically charged albums in hip-hop. This is the first socially charged album, where it literally takes society by the horns and just rams his face into the ground you know what i mean things that people want to find cool and things i disagree with or things that i think represent um it's another dope idea like tupac must die that hasn't hit yet because there's no video but there's a song on there called the teller whitney's plug and it talks about what happened to the person most likely that sold drugs to whitney houston it's more of a hypothetical than a reality but it talks about how drug dealers kind of have this same traumatic experience 
you know, eventually as the fiend itself, as the fiend, you know, themselves. So, um, it's socially charged. It's, you know, it's ridiculously street. You know what I mean? Like, I think I did a good job representing my barbershop, being the voice of all of my barbershop's concerns. Like, things they see in society. Um, it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. I think it's really good, man. Like, I, I don't want to try to I need more time to live with it before I truly give it a, a, a full out ranking as a fan where I'm not working on it and I'm just playing it straight through and I'm listening to it. But it's a it's a good array of ideas and, and, and canvases painted. You know, what I mean, it's dope. It's dope. You know, times are different from from when you and I were like younger and um, coming up. And me personally, you know, I think cancer culture, you know, I just gone too far in, um in society. But that's just me, though. Uh, yeah, shit. Um, you can't do. They anything. can only cancel you if they made you. And I think that's the gist of the title itself. The gist of the title is like, you you know, you couldn't cancel me because you didn't make me. Like I'm really made by the streets, like really. And um, it's funny. One of my homeboys was really successful. A brother of mine's a real successful friend. Um, he's actually uh, uh, gay. He was talking shit. He was like, I'm finna put out a dish record on you because he heard something for bitches. And I'm like, it's funny to me that like people from the LGBTQ community gonna be like, oh, he's talking about us. It's like, y'all just really feel like y'all the center of all attention. I I think it's great. I love it. Um, what I love about it is a lot of West Coast hip hop you know what I mean? It's in a weird place. You know, people trying to figure it out. I've came to the conclusion that it's going to be hard for me to, to give you things to discover because our culture has been in the forefront for 40 years now. Like, I think Colors came out like 85. I mean, that was the first time you saw L.A. street culture, you know, this phenomenon that's going on now. And um, it's hard for me to allow y'all to discover something about where I'm from because, God damn it, man, y'all didn't see... 13 movies, you know, a thousand motherfucking rappers, you know what I mean? Uh, video, documentaries, podcasts, niggas talking, random niggas with that's gang members that got YouTubes. You know, culturally, you have discovered so many things about the West that, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard for me to present something new. You know, that's what made Tupac Must Die so special. It's, it's presenting something new and that's hard. Morality was something you know, an aspect of culture that hadn't been really dealt with on the West or through hip hop. But I got really more excited about making it a recovery mission. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been a long time since you heard shit about the West that made you feel the West. You know, when you hear you like, oh, that's them boys with them attitudes checking the whole rap game. You know, when they would make fun of MC Hammer, you know what I mean? When they would be just clowning, they didn't you know, they nuts was the biggest in the room and they'd say whatever and they didn't give a fuck. They'd call her a bitch and talk shit to the president. That was the West, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like it, it recovered that energy for people like us that grew up in our time period or close to us. And for, you know, a younger audience, they get to discover what made the West Coast special in the first place. You know, having the biggest nuts in the room. 
you know, um, before we get into more into the tracks on the album, you know, I have to commend you on your artwork on the album cover because like nobody really puts any real effort into covers anymore. And to me, like it kind of gives me um that Warren G type of vibe, the regulators G Funk type vibe. Mm -hmm. To um, me, that's what it kind of that was the third cover. You're right, because I show was like, Yeah, that ain't it. Like I had one idea, I was like, Oh, it's gonna be dope. And I shot, I was like, Yeah. Another one, ah. Got that one. I was like, but I'm looking away. And I was like, yeah, but that's it. You know what I mean? It didn't matter. Like, you know, I was one of the few times that I shook Brandon, you know what I mean? And marketing. I was like, you know what? This shit fly. And it's funny because, again, I was talking to Steel, you know, who manages me. He was like, yo, that album cover is low-key kind of classic. I'm waiting to see it on vinyl. You know what I mean? I got the vinyl be here in a week. I'm waiting to see it on vinyl. You know what I'm saying? Where I could just stare at it like, you know, that shit is dope. I I'm proud of this record. Um. I was proud of Glass House 2. I was proud of the reimagined version of Glass House 1, but this record is special, not to mention working with EP. You know what I'm saying? Um, EP is from Watts. He's watching Jordan down. So we've been talking about working. And it's funny because the record I thought we would make, because it's like, you know, closer to a Scarface, uh, LAX, you know, games album, you know, more of a mid-tempo thing. And it ended up being this charged, you know, socially charged, high powered, you know what I mean? Like assault on society. So that shit is fresh to me. I like that part of it for sure. Facts, man. And you should definitely be proud, man, because especially for like the sound of the album, like I'm from New York, but to me, just from listening, you know, it kind of felt like it was in 1993 in Watts somewhere. And what's dope is to me, it's not funky. It's like a boogie. And it's because e EP is a piano player. So mm -hmm. it's not a really grip of crazy bass lines. The bass lines are really simple. They're not like Dr. Dre, DJ Craig, Battle Cat. His melodies are all played straight through. Like he don't loop shit because he's a player. So, you know, he played on Kanye's first five albums. He played on Dre's albums. He played on Scarface's and got production on Scarface and Game albums. So he plays. So when you hear songs like The Lope, that's not a sample. This motherfucker is playing it at 110. 110 BPM, just getting off. You know what I mean? And it, it was it's special. You know what I mean? And it, it's one of those type of projects to me that's going to keep giving. You know what I mean? When people see the live show and how we're going to do it, and it, it reminded me of um, Little Richard explaining why he plays his music fast because everybody was trying to copy him, but they couldn't play as fast as him. And to me, that's what EP did. Like, that's where he kind of separated himself from his contemporaries that are more funky. Like, he like, yeah, but I'm a real, you know, piano player. You know, earlier you just mentioned Kanye. And one of the most interesting tracks on, on your new album is, you know, Kanye shouldn't marry that bitch. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you tell us about it? So it, it's really just an oldie to the conversation of you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. I'm watching... Guys do that often today. You know what I mean? Like they weren't blessed enough to grow up with, you know, Dr. Dre or DJ Quick's music or Snoop's music where they was like, yo, you can't do that. So there's nobody telling them that actually culturally people are being taught to look over a woman being a hoe and still be with her. And then you have all these traumatic things happening where people are breaking up and it's crazy because you should have never wiped that one in the first place. So I feel like it was my duty as a productive cell, you know, a functional organism, like a simple cell to pass this information to the next generation. Like, 
Maybe nobody told you that because you, the guys you listening to are wife and whores and you think that's cool. But look, this is what the niggas I listened to told me. And this is what I live by. You can't turn a one, you know, you can't turn a horn to a housewife. So I passed it to them. And the marketing side is just simple. Like, right. It was, I feel like people, you know, they don't really care if, if the topic, they can't even imagine what's going on. So you have to put it, you have to give it to them really simple. You have to kind of like, this person is trying to do it at the highest level. The song was done. We didn't even think of anybody in the song. It was just really a dope song. The title worked because it fit the topic. Like this is a perfect example. And Kanye was just going to do a lot at the time. And I was like, yo, this is why you can't turn a hoe into a housewife, bro, because you're going to go through this. And the long title is Panic at the Disco. Right when I was getting out of high school, Panic at the Disco was coming out with these songs. They had these stupid long ass titles. And I was thinking about uh, um, where we at in time and space with uh, uh, Spotify, Apple title. You know what I mean? Streaming apps. And it's like the only thing you could really see big, the picture is even small. The only thing you can see big is the title of the song. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to make something that's long. Like, So shout out to the Panic. Shout out to Panic at the Disco for that, for the title. You know, um, how do you feel about the way like Ye is portrayed by like some mainstream media? Like to me, in the most part, I think he's just misunderstood to me. So... Ye is in my top five artists, top artists, five artists favorite for sure, period, right? But, as a producer, too? <laughs> huh? As a producer, too? Every, whatever. This <laughs> is a bad motherfucker, right? But mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with my homie earlier, and he was asking me, like, where do I... I was telling him, we're going to lose hip-hop. Like, we lost jazz, like, we lost rock and roll. And he said, well, where did that moment come from? I was like, when Kanye got on. And they was like, why is that? I'm like, because Kanye is like, hip hop gave a voice to like people that America never cared about. You know, the low class, you know, urban street guy. It didn't matter if you were a part of the crime, but if crime, you know, if your culture came around crime, that low class guy, you didn't have a voice. You know what I mean? Before hip hop. But guys like, Middle class guys always had a voice, you know, especially even brothers, Theo Huxtable, you know, Eddie Winslow, Willis, you know what I mean? And they were always secondary characters in these ideas. You know, it was about Arnold or it was about Bill Cosby or it was about, you know, Steve Urkel. But Kanye became the first guy that, you know, that we was like, OK, he's the guy we don't care about, but we're going to fuck with him. And I think he did such a good job of putting out his conversation over like super black ass fucking rhythms. You know what I mean? Like his first song is like his first song is as American as apple pie. Like a nigga with insurance got into a car accident. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like it's not like some niggas was chasing him. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, they was going to kill him and he got into a car accident. It wasn't like he didn't have insurance. He was on Medi-Cal when he got into a car accident because he like a regular American that got into a car accident. But because he delivered it over this Shaka Khan platform, man, that gave like this super soul to the idea, 
man, we just felt beyond connected, you know, and in a visual, it was super creative. And he would always deliver over all conversations, you know, even gold digger, like he told us what he was finna get into in his life. You know, he's going to get on and leave her ass for a white girl. You know what I'm saying? And all that. But it was over Ray Charles. So we always felt like that. That urban appeal from that really black music. And now the music ain't as black under him. <laughs> and we just hear the same conversation. And they losing their fucking mind. And they like, where? I want my old Kanye back. This been this crazy nigga. The first day this was this nigga. So how I feel, I don't give a fuck what nobody say because this is the nigga I always fucked with. I never was confused by the melodies. I don't give a fuck who. I'm listening to this crazy nigga talk the whole time. You know what I mean? So, shit, you know, they finally listening. How about that? They finally listening. You know, um... I think Kanye's not going to be appreciated till like he's no longer here, and I hope that's not the case. But like to me, I think dude is a genius. It just misunderstood his art. He's unbelievable. He's man, dog. Like there's a line. Like I was just telling somebody on Twitter, and they was talking shit, and it was like I keep telling people, Ye's greatest album is whatever whatever everybody agree on. Ye's best album is Ye. You think so? Yeah, and everybody think it's crazy, right? But to me, this is the first time he took what negative things people had to say about him and contested it. It wasn't like I'm defending myself. It's I'm aggressive and all the nigga came out of him. There's a line in Ghost Town, dog, that's so fire, right? Where he's like, far ahead, but way behind. I'm one, two, three, four, five. And it's like, that don't mean much, but everything he does is so fundamentally sound. Like, I always used to joke and say J. Cole is Tim Duncan, but Kanye West is Tim Duncan. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine if Tim Duncan was doing a lot of interviews. I'm sure he sounds just like Ye. You know what I mean? His game is so structurally correct. You know what I mean? That you don't really know how to appreciate it. You just got to look up and be like, man, he just made it happen. You know, Ye seems like Tim Duncan in real life, but in the booth, he's like KG to me. I don't think he that sensational, stylish. You know what I mean? Like, like KG was like, like KG could play like a nigga that Ye rapped like a producer. You know, he never rapped like a, like Quick is more like to me like that DJ Quick. Like Quick be rapping crazy. You know what I mean? But Ye was always right within the lines. You know what I mean? Clean. Bank shot always used the backboard. Sam backboard. You know, he was just smooth. So either way, we still talking about the guy. So it's all good. You know, um, before we go, like I want to talk about LA gang culture with you. You know, I don't bang like uh, me personally, I don't bang on anything, but always found, you know, gang culture, especially on the West Coast, kind of fascinating and and interesting from the outside looking in. Um, what kind of separates, you know, West Coast gang culture from, like, you know, like other regions like like New York or Chicago? Nothing. Nothing. I just think it's branded better. Same shit. <laughs> I ain't been to all these places, man. These niggas is crazy everywhere I went. Brooklyn, these niggas is crazy. I'm in Jersey, these niggas is crazy. I'm in Chicago, these niggas will blow your fucking head off. 
I just it. think we had really catchy titles. Mm-hmm. We did a lot more with colors. You know, people love colors. You know, people love coloring books, man. You put a picture, some color, you know, you got most niggas. So, but I think we got the benefit of having Hollywood in our backyard. You know what I mean? Like, we got the benefit of having Hollywood in our backyard. Like, so, do you think that Hollywood kind of sensationalized, like, gang culture and kind of, like, watered it down a little bit? I don't know if they sensationalized it. Like, I wouldn't put that burden on them. Um, I think it just was showcasing. It was compelling. It wasn't It wasn't like they made it like it was this. Remember, like, even in Colors, like we talked about it earlier, the main three characters all had their life ruined. High Top was in trouble. Rocket got killed. And Frog went to prison for life. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that's sensational. You know what I mean? So, but I, I think it, it the colors, I mean, it's it's just a representation of all. It's also like kind of like this offset of cowboys. You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing that we got. Cowboys is out here. You know, we we come from a culture of the wild, wild west cowboys, you know, Billy the Kid, Doc Holiday. Like, we're a progression of that. You know what I mean? So cowboy move, you know, cowboys, that shit is all about criminals. That's why I don't, I don't know why. Like I heard Special Ed doing interviews like, oh, you know, they ruined it. It's like, not really, dog. People just in love with crime. Yeah. Like people, you know, even when they say like drive-bys, I'm like, well, Al Capone and them made drive-bys popular. Them dudes used to just roll by a, a, a shop front and shoot a dude and tear all the glass out, hit the dude four times with the whole glass and shot out and you know, so I don't think it really is that much different. You know, I think it's, uh, I think other places are even more organized. Uh-huh. Um, I think we just have really good brands. The brand of Crips and Bloods is, it's almost like Pepsi. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might be other colas that taste better, bro, but the brand of Coke and Pepsi, you know what I'm saying? It's like, unfuckwittable, you know what I mean? And we were able to brand because Hollywood was in our backyard. And again, it's like, it all goes back to the fact that our shit was on the big screen faster. And, and you know, it's crazy. You know, like over the last few years, you know, a lot of people like from New York, Chicago, whoever, like rappers, athletes, they either been robbed or killed in um like LA. Like, um, for people like me who's not from LA, or, um, like, what can we do to like ingre- like ingre- yeah, ingratiate ourselves with the people you know that live in those communities so something like that won't happen? Besides, besides using common sense, <laughs> that's ninety nine percent of it. <laughs> um, is there like yes. OG like people can like tap in with, or I don't know? <laughs> I mean, really, just socialize with black people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you socialize, like when I go to Brooklyn and I first start hanging in Brooklyn and Flatbush and I start meeting people and I start networking with people, I didn't I didn't care about their street status. I just start fucking with the brothers. You know what I mean? And naturally, you just start to understand everything because you have like an inside plug on what's going on as well. You know, the more you socialize. Um, 
But most of this stuff is happening because people don't socialize with the brothers. And if they do, sometimes some of the stuff is outside of common. The common sense stuff be just crazy. It's obvious you don't go to the ghetto with jewelry on. Facts, man. Like, why would you go to the ghetto with a with a Richard Million or like something like that? Are you persecuting poor people with wealth? Like, why? Like, I wouldn't go into the jungle with a stake. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't strap stakes to my body and go into the jungle. And you know, it's just. Mm -hmm. I think you just got to get more into the habit of socializing with the brothers and, and again, practice common sense and make sense of what you're doing. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be around poor people with a bunch of opportunity on. You want to look like you can give opportunity, not look like the opportunity. You know, I always wanted to ask somebody that was tapped in with this. But how do you feel about like, you know, athletes that never gangbang in their life now all of a sudden claiming to set? I think it's funny because it's like, I mean, this thing is is dope. You know what I mean? It's, it's not dope. Like, I would recommend a kid to get involved, but it is a a fellowship amongst brothers that's really special. You know what I mean? It's, but the, the main thing also people got to realize is it's driven in poverty. Like, you're kind of forced to, to kind of, you know, have your friends back thick and thin. You know what I mean? So it's weird when somebody got a bunch of money and, you know, but again, they see the respect that we get amongst each other and from other people. They're like, I want that. You know, it is a real primitive masculinity edge about it that people notice. You know what I mean? Like, I used to be with Birdman and I walk in the room, everybody's like, what's up, glasses? And I know Bird used to look like, damn. You know what I mean? It's fucking Birdman. This nigga got millions and millions of dollars. And it's like this little watch nigga that might got $200,000 walk in and niggas is like, what's up, glasses? And you know, should come, he see me, he grab me, what up, nigga? And he like, damn, you know, this nigga, you know, so, you know, it, it is a, a a masculine, a masculinity respect that, you know, most men do want amongst men, you know, that, that camaraderie, that love, that respect, like, you walked in and niggas see you here. So, you know, I, I don't want to be a bit, I'm trying to get past that stage of trying to judge why Somebody wealthy people will care, care about what poor people think. But, I mean, I guess we all black. So, at the end of the day, yeah. who don't want respect amongst their own people? They don't know how to get it no other way, I guess. They don't want to build no schools or open no factories and do the right thing. Or they might can't afford to do it. You know, a lot of that money be fake anyway. So, so there's some, it's some, it's some shit about it. All right, man. Before we go, we have to talk some NBA, man. Um, are you Lakers or Clippers? I'm a Laker. Showtime, baby. Good man, like how you feel about the um upcoming season? I mean, we got too much revolved around somebody that's been playing 30 years. Oh wow, so you think they should let LeBron go on his merry way? It's business. Genie Buss gotta sell them tickets. And LeBron ass gonna be able to sell tickets till he play. LeBron can play 40 years in the NBA, he's gonna sell out the stadium, good. It's LeBron John. People love that motherfucker, man. So you know, as a fan is one thing. As a, as a, I don't own the Lakers. If I, as a fan, I'm gonna be like, yeah, we need to trade that nigga for whatever young stallions we can get. If I was Genie Bus, I'd be trying to ride that nigga to the motherfucking last day. Come on, nigga, put them shorts back on. Get back out here, nigga. You know, we gonna get this money. So, you know, I, I, as I get older, I think I start to understand things a little bit better. You know what I mean? So, I just let them play, and I just be a fan. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, um. Over the last few years, I've gotten closer to more NBA players and more athletes in general. Um, and I think it's important that I stop judging minds of people that I don't actually know. 
Like, you know, a lot of, you know, you see players like, oh, he's mentally weak or he's scared of the moment. Uh, that's over. So now I just try to be a fan. I try to make my projections on my mathematic opinion and, and 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 see if it happens. But outside of that, I just I'm more of a fan than I ever was. Like I just watch you niggas play. I don't even want to talk about, you know, if your coach is good or bad, you know. Like I might say one thing, like Doc Rivers is not a good coach, but Doc could out coach me standing under a table, so I ain't got no business saying shit about Doc fucking Rivers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know about Doc. You you might be able to out coach him. <laughs> Doc, Doc be, I'll be talking that shit, get a team, my team go 12 and 70, it'd be fucked up. So I'm shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just, I'm going to say what I think, but I'm going to be real careful because uh, I couldn't do none of them niggas' jobs. Like, them niggas couldn't come on the boulevard and be a crip, couldn't mm -hmm. do none of them niggas' jobs. You know what I'm saying? Them niggas, Facts, man. you know what I mean? So let me. We shut the fuck up and let y'all do the hooping, and I'll just be putting my hands up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I remember once I got into a, um, it was like a mini game with like Tracy McGrady. I'm like, oh shit, this nigga's look like this dude. <laughs> and this was like last year. So like, he I was, was like, so hard. And Tracy was crazy. <laughs> Tracy, I know he'd be like, fuck Glass, because I was saying, I was like, I think Tracy McGrady is overrated amongst his contemporaries. But I was, and he was like laughing. I was thinking to myself, Tracy, like, I can get this nigga 70 points. He couldn't score right now, and he ain't lying. So, I, like, I remember they was talking about Tracy McGrady was like, it, it, what pissed me off is it was like Tracy McGrady and Kobe was, you know, people, they was like 1A, 1B in real time. Yeah. Right? But as time I happened, obviously, you know, you, the nuanced things you can't see that makes the game the game, like all defensive first teams. Mm -hmm. you know, that's when the separation and that's championships and blah 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 so but I remember I said that and Tracy laughed at me and shit but I was thinking to myself like Tracy beat me and I wouldn't even score a fucking point so I need to <laughs> I, I, nah, I think he was like like dude just let me score and then he gave me the ball back I'm so like alright I'm about to lay it up again nope he sent my shit he got the ball back and then that was all she wrote after that Man, I played Charles O'Bannon when he was a fucking senior in high school. I wasn't even in high school. I think it was an eighth grade finna go to high school. He was a senior. I played that nigga, man. Like, this nigga is not a nigga that went to the NBA and dominated. He was just like the best player in high school. Then he went to college and was good. He probably, I don't know if he was, the, I don't think he was, he didn't go number one in the draft, so he probably wasn't the best player in college, but he was good in college. He was great. But he was the great. Man, it was the most embarrassing thing in my life. That motherfucker. So, you know, again, as you as you get older and you get wiser, like I could talk shit to any rapper except Buster Rhymes. I think nobody wants to talk shit. To yeah, I, that nigga. Jay-Z, I feel like we can get on the song. He'll be a little bit better. But I'm going to say some shit where he's going to be like, damn, that was tight. Even like my idol, like a nigga like Scarface or Cube or Snoop or any of them. Like, I'm going to get on there. We're going to do some things. Scarface is too, because his depth is out of this world. But Buster Rhymes is one of them niggas, man. I be seeing him rap with niggas, and I be like, niggas really don't know how good that nigga is, man. Niggas don't know how good that nigga is right now. That nigga is an animal. You know what I mean? So I, I be careful when I start talking about real sensei's and, and practices. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Tracy McGrady, cause is a first ballot Hall of Famer sensei, cause like it gotta be something. Like 
I get what I'm saying, overrated compared to Kobe Bryant, but then he's probably not even overrated then. So you just got to reassess your thoughts and get wiser. You know, speaking of senseis, you know, we got to talk about our boy Deion Sanders in Colorado, man. I'm expecting I'm expecting to um to seeing you on that sideline one day. I'm not a football guy at all, but I would do anything for Deion Sanders. He's my second favorite football player. So, shit, hopefully he figured it out because he and that shit, that Division One shit, I don't even fuck with football, man, but that college football seemed worse than the NFL. <laughs> them people was crazy, and, you know, football already a racist-ass sport, so you Facts, play man. with them people, man. Get them people, them people, boy, they finna be coming out looking to kill that man every week. <laughs> I'm just riding with him. Just because he pissed off white people. And that's all that, man. It don't matter. It's Deion Sanders. If we can't love Deion fucking Sanders, mm-hmm. you me? Then what do we t- like? It's, people be cheering for Deion and people get mad. I'd be like, it's it's Deion. We always like, nigga, Deion used to wear Atlanta jersey. Niggas play against him, cheer for Deion. Deion just one of them niggas that you just like. Like Roy Jones Jr. You know what I mean? You just like the niggas. Facts, man. They it's likable guys. So it's. It's kind of like Jordan. People people used to wear his sneakers while playing against them. So I hate Michael Jordan. <laughs> like I'm a Showtime Laker. You feel me? So you know what '91 was like. I had every last pair of Jordans that ever came out, all the way to probably like 16. Yep, I can't stand that motherfucker. That's where I pretty much stopped at 16. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't stand that motherfucker. Hey man, hey man, I'm a Knicks fan, but. Yeah, fuck Jordan, but I got all them shoes. I had all them shoes multiple times, so he can't <laughs> be too bad of a nigga. You know? <laughs> I couldn't stand on it with the kind of shoes. I used to love that nigga shoes when I was a kid. All right, man, before we go, I like to play a game start called Start, Bench, Cut. I just named three things. You tell me you're going to start it, bench it, or cut it. All right? all right, so we got OG West Coast rap albums. We got Chronic 2001, Doggy Style, Death Certificate. That's fucked up. So we're going to start Doggy Style. We're going to bench uh, 2001, and we're going to cut Death Certificate. And that's I, fucked up. I but also, I think I think The Predator is a better album. I think people who love, don't get me wrong, I get why they love Death Certificate, but I think The Predator is Cube's best album. My favorite Cube album is, so it's not personal for me, you know what I mean? But my, I think I think his greatest album is The Predator. I think his best album to me is uh, it's crazy it sound War, the War Disc. The War Disc is a little different, but the War yeah. Disc is dope. Yeah, the one from two thousand ninety nine, like yeah, around. not the Peace Disc, but the War Disc, the first one, and mm-hmm. the West Side Connection album. You know what I mean? That album was really good. So, but yeah, you gotta you gotta start Doggy Style. Doggy Style. Is Probably the greatest hip hop album ever. You know, nothing is done more for culture than Doggy Style. I still listen, um, to it, like, like, like every once in a while. Yeah, I, I really. It's crazy as I saw it happen, but I was more in the dog food. But over the last 13, 14 years, fifteen years, when I listen to Doggy Style, I just get better and better. Two thousand one is probably my. I like it. I prefer it more over Doggy Style because I was an adult when it came out. Like I was nineteen, eighteen years old. And I like that album. Um, but Doggy like Style is just a different animal, man. I think like 2001 was like one of the first CDs I brought. Like, yeah, that album's crazy. That album's crazy, man. I, I chased the Glass House 2. I chased those mixes and spent $22,000 in mixing. Oh, damn. And never got close. Never got close. 
Like I was like, okay, that's not how mix work. You got to just do your own thing because uh, that motherfucker is way out there. So, um, yeah, I would start doggy style, bench two thousand one, and I got to cut death certificate. All right, the next one's hard. I ain't gonna lie. So we got Good Kid, Mad City from Kendrick. We got the documentary, which I think is a classic, and we got Ryan Pace from Ice T. Mm. That's really hard. Because Ryan pays, we don't get nothing else. To me, without Ryan pays, you know, there's. You don't no get nothing. Yeah, right. you don't have gangster rap. You don't have it. Um, there's no documentary. There's no nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's no nothing. Okay. So I could be biased because Kendrick and TD, that's my family. And I'm not high on Good Kid, Mad City like everybody else. That's this generation's album. I, I think Damn is way better, like remotely, like way greater. Um, I like the second album to Pimp way better. But Good Kid is a classic to the generation that it raised. So I'm going to start the documentary because I was there to see it. I saw that happen to the release. Like I was at the first autograph release and I watch it go gold in the first week. So I'm gonna start documentary because I seen that up close and personal. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a bench Ryan Pays because Ryan Pays is like that's like Kareem Abdul Jabbar in 1987. You need that bitch on the bench to win the championship. You know, you need Kareem around even if he gonna play 12 minutes, you know what I mean, to win the championship. You need Ryan Pays. You don't have a West Coast without it. And I'm a cut good kid only because Damn is my favorite Kendrick album, and it's way better than Good Kid, Mad City. I don't know. To me, Good Kid, Mad City, that's like a masterpiece. Like I got to put that in Illmatic. I yeah, I can't, even, I can't even debate it because Good Kid, Mad City is like, it's a classic even if it's not my shit. Mm -hmm. Like Illmatic. I don't really fuck with Illmatic like that, but like my favorite Nas album is Life is Good. I think that's the best Nas album. I mean, to me, wow. he wrote to the beats. It was slow. I feel more personal. I feel more connected to him. Mm -hmm. Then still Matic. To me, like, because I like story, because I like storytelling rap. So to me, I kind of like gravitate more towards it. It was written. It, it was written. It's like really low key. That's my third favorite Nines album, but it's probably the most disrespected album. You know, disrespected album in East Coast history. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was written. That was a really dope album. But yeah, Good Kid, Mad City is a classic, I, and I can't slide it. But you know, if we on my list of what I'm starting, mm -hmm. what I'm benching, what I'm cutting, if it was damn, it'd be different. But that one, yeah, I, 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 it'd be, it'd be fucked up. You know what I mean? I wish I had the extra budget to sign it because I know what it is. But yeah, that would be the album I have to cut. I gotta keep, I gotta keep Ron Page because we don't have, you don't have Boys in the Hood without that song, without Six in the Morning. You don't have, you need, you need that. You need Ron Page. All right, and the last one, I kind of mixed it up with um, TV shows and movies. So we got Menace, Colors, and Snowfall. So I'm going to start Colors. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bench Snowfall, and I'm going to cut Menace. Because Menace had fake Dayton's when that nigga was talking about he was jacking that boy for Dayton's, and it was crowns. Oh, really? I, I never I let that go. I never let that fake dating go on that 5.0. Oh, 
I, you could have got some real Daytons. The Hughes brothers had a big budget. The motherfuckers had millions of dollars. They could have got a real pair of Daytons. They did not have to have them fake-ass Daytons. That spoiled that whole movie for me for the most part. Boy, I remember I was I went to Louisiana for summer vacation in like 1994 or five. They was watching that shit on TV. I seen Eileen. I'm like, okay. Eileen. <laughs> Whatever toys I was playing with at the time, that was over. Yeah, that, that will raise you. When you see that bitch jumping out of that park and he blocked that bitch Civic in. And That's my favorite scene of the whole thing. What's funny is everybody put so much pressure on Kane's 5.0. Shout out to Tyron. I just was talking to Tyron. It's crazy. I just did a drop that's on my new video, Some for Bitches, with Caffeine. What's up now, partner? <laughs> so he's on my video that just came out yesterday or the other day. Um, And, it, and it's funny because he references Menace to Society, which is dope. Check it out. Um, But them fake datings, on that fucking 5.0, on that rad, on that 5.0, ruined that movie for me for a lot of years till I kind of came into this new birth of how I feel about culture. But for a long time, I would not fuck with minutes like that. Damn, just because them fake ass dates. And the star car of that movie is not those dates. The star car of that movie is Stacy's car, that rag glass house that was cut when they was waiting to pick up Kane car. Mm hmm. When they was waiting to pick up Kane Carr, that shit. Facts, man. That cherry red. I'm trying to like remember off the top of my head that because like I the last time I seen Menace was like 2020 sometime. But anyway, um, I want to thank you for joining me today. You know, this is a dope ass conversation. Your album's dope. I think you're you're dope. Um, do you have any upcoming projects in the works? So cancel these nuts is available. Um, shout out to my boy Gerald Taylor Steiny. He been helping me a lot. He got me hacked today too. Uh, I was just thinking about him. Um, I'm gonna drop the reimagined version of Fuck Glasses Malone, which I put out. Fuck Glasses came out, but I'm gonna re release the reimagined version of Fuck Glasses for my birthday. So probably around December eighth. My birthday is December tenth. Um. I got a, a full length album coming out probably in February after that. You know, not a reimagined idea that I've released already, but another full length, you know, album coming out in February. But right now it's all about cancel these nuts. I got a lot of great content, a lot of great videos. I got, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun making everybody laugh and bringing that humor back to hip hop the way the West coast, you know, used to do it. 